TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here. On TuneIn, go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. Welcome to Special Edition, a weekly look at the issues in the news and the personalities shaping the stories. Special Edition is a production of Intercom Communications. Thanks for joining us on Special Edition. I'm Paula Dagnan. We've met Angela Little before. She's the president and CEO of Family Support Alliance. This time, she's going to tell us about not only a new program, but how some folks in the state can get the recognition they deserve because they are champions for children. Angela, welcome back. Thank you. Nice to be here again. Nice to have you here. And now you are bringing awards. We are. In one way or another, you're bringing awards. What have we got? Yeah, well, you know, it's that time of year. And uh, at Pennsylvania Family Support Alliance, we really like to honor and acknowledge the work of folks throughout Pennsylvania who do small and large acts that help keep kids safe. So it's time we're in the midst of our Pennsylvania Blue Ribbon Champion for Safe Kids campaign, and we're seeking nominations for members of the community who could be volunteers, they could be professionals who work with kids, and then this is one that you should certainly like, Paula, a member of the media, Um, someone who has kept kids and their safety foremost in the minds of others and who've gone above and beyond, really, for child protection. So what are you looking for exactly? Are you looking for um, a person? Are you looking for an organization, possibly? We're looking for individuals. Um, And then, of course, with the media, we're looking for a a company that has, you know, really kept child abuse prevention foremost uh, for their viewership. So with the individuals, we're searching for two volunteers, and two professionals who work in the field of child welfare or with children and families. So it could be someone who, you know, shows up as a CASA volunteer and works really hard on rough cases that look out for the kid's best interest. It could be a teacher who does things that are not required of their job but helps with kids and their activities after school or, you know, there's really a, a large variety. Last year we had a woman who was in her 80s. And she volunteered at a local parent support and education program, uh, facilitating that support group every week. Um, Imagine being in your mid-80s and doing that. Wow. So there's lots of good folks in Pennsylvania. There's lots of people who care about kids. And this is just our opportunity to come together with elected officials, members of the media, corporate, nonprofit partners, and give them recognition. And this is throughout the entire Commonwealth. Throughout the entire Commonwealth. And so we're asking folks to um, go online to pablueribbonchampions.org, and they'll see a nominate there. Um, to fill that out, it's really easy. It doesn't take much time. It doesn't cost anything. 
and that comes back into us. It can be emailed. It's very easy. And then we have a panel of judges, um, independent folks from our organization that will review all the nominations and they'll select the award winners. And then that's unveiled at our big event, which is on April 3rd. Um, at 10.30 a.m. at the Capitol in the main rotunda. Oh, in Harrisburg. In so Harrisburg. you're going to bring everybody together. We bring everyone together, and it is truly an uplifting time. Uh, we have local school students who provide a good part of the program. Uh, we have uh, a special kind of tribute to the children who were killed due to child abuse, um, 40 last year. So that's a pretty high number. Mm. Um, and so we have lots of folks who come together and to pause for a few minutes and remember those young lives that were lost. And then it's a time, too, for us all to recommit ourselves, to dedicate ourselves to doing better for Pennsylvania's children. Let's talk a little bit about that as well. Um, the uh, Families in Recovery, mm-hmm. what is that? Well, we, of course, know um, what we've had lately in Pennsylvania related to the opioid epidemic. There are very few of us who could say that in one way or another, uh, our family or friends haven't been touched by substance use disorder. So one of the things we see is the impact on children. Um, Very often they're in and out of homes of grandparents or other relatives, friends, family. Um, And really some of them become far too old in their souls before their chronological age. And so for those parents who work at treatment programs, who are in recovery. You know, it can be a hard thing for them while they're focusing on their recovery. Um, Without drugs or alcohol in their system, to really face the reality of what's happened in their family and how's it impacted their children. That's really a double. It's a double-edged sword. Yeah. And one of the contributing factors, one of the highest contributing factors of relapse are stresses related to children and parenting. Because remember, oftentimes these are parents who are not as present physically or emotionally to their kids. And then when they're you know, feeling better, and they're back to maybe more full-time parenting. We all know that without some of those special issues, parenting's really hard. Absolutely. Yeah. So one of the things our organization's done is we've developed a cross-systems program. Um, It's called Families in Recovery, and it focuses on helping parents who are in recovery develop new parenting skills. How do you talk to your kids about your recovery? How do you um, introduce new techniques? Maybe some of these kids have never had um, real rules or boundaries in the family. They've kind of taken care of themselves or younger siblings. Um, Lots of chaos comes along with substance use disorder. I was going to say also because of the fact that a lot of times the uh, children are young when things mm-hmm. like this happen, mm-hmm. and then they're raised by others, especially grandparents, mm-hmm. especially who are older, mm-hmm. who have a different outlook on things than parents might have. Mm-hmm. So that, again, wow, that's mm-hmm. really... Yeah, it's a seven-week program. Wow. And um, we're very uh, fortunate and very appreciative to have um, support from the Pennsylvania Department of Human Services. Um, They have provided some funding to pilot this program statewide. And then because of great work of media and spreading the word, I'm happy to say we've had 
at least 10 different states outside Pennsylvania uh, where agencies, and some of it have been universities or drug treatment courts, contact us and say, this is exactly what we need in our state. How can we be a part of this? Yeah, it's exciting. So you're spearheading. We are spearheading really a national program, I think. That's wonderful. Yeah. yeah. And you've obviously, it's been well received. It has been. There there are researchers. Have you gone through already seven weeks? I have gone through a training of the trainers. And it is now um, being piloted in many of the um, family centers throughout Pennsylvania. So we're knee-deep in um, gathering feedback and data collection and all of those things that go along with this process. But the bottom line is we, we really believe we're bringing something to the table here for the communities and the families in Pennsylvania. It's not going to be uh, the magic fix mm. of everything that happens in a family when there's an addiction issue and recovery process because we all know that's long and sometimes mm-hmm. it has lots of... Uh, you know, twists and turns. twists and terms along the way. Right. But we know that we're bringing something to the table that helps parents focus on their children in a new and different way. So if someone wanted to find out about that, mm-hmm. whether it was a person themselves or mm-hmm. whether there's an organization, mm-hmm. a church, uh, mm-hmm. you know, anybody, how would they do that? You know, we're kind of old school at PFSA. We <laughs> like to talk to people on the phone. Ooh. So we have a website with all kinds of great information, and I'm sure we'll pass that along to your listeners. But what we'd most prefer is that people call us to talk about families in recovery. And we can be reached at 1-800-448-4906. And if someone calls between the hours of 7.30 a.m. and 4.30 p.m., I guarantee someone will answer the phone and we'll be happy to talk with them about the program. Is there a cost for the program? There, There is cost. Um, there is. Um, I would say it's pretty nominal compared to other programs. So we're happy to work with folks and kind of walk through what their needs are in terms of whether that's an agency administrator or whether that's a parent um, or someone in a parenting role who would like to, you know, attend one of the programs. Where would they be held? For example, here in Northeast Pennsylvania, would would they be able to be here or would they have to travel someplace else in order to do that? Well, what we hope to have are agencies throughout the communities that are actually providing it as a service. So just like, you know, many of the agencies that serve families and children. Um, We have in Scranton uh, the former EOTC Outreach for Community Resources. Those folks are going to be hosting uh, Families in Recovery. And as word spreads, you know, we have more and more agencies joining saying, hey, how do we get involved? How do we make that available for families in our communities? And it's, it's just an amazing thing when you think about it because, again, you have the whole commonwealth mm-hmm. that you're working with. Yeah. And there is just, it's not like it's just one community. Correct. This is everywhere. Mm-hmm. It's a big state. And this is uh, one issue that is having a negative impact on our families. And as a result of that, it's impacting the safety and well-being of our children. Mm-hmm. That's I, kudos. That's a big project to thank take you. on. But well, you're a we're excited. You're an awesome woman. You well, and your team. Thank are, you. Are I have really. We have an awesome team, and we have um, people throughout Pennsylvania who are strategic partners of ours. And you know, it's great just to see good folks, good agencies, good community leaders all working together to do the right thing for kids.
and that's what the whole thing's about. Now, before we uh, before we let you go, we, we the last time we had you back, we had you in April. Yes. So are we already looking into the the next part of the year as to uh, what you're going to be involved with? I believe so. You know, I think um, for us, we really want to expand the Families in Recovery. We want to launch and, and have dates set for a train-the-trainer model on that, which helps agencies actually, you know, offer the service. Uh, we want to keep doing a lot of good work with grandparents who are raising their grandkids. And we're excited to start a few new programs, support and education programs in targeted counties in Pennsylvania. Uh, We're happy to work with the members of the General Assembly. We had meetings last week looking at legislation and looking at where there are barriers for grandparents who are trying to raise their grandchildren. So I think that there will not be many days where we're not incredibly busy, and we're happy for that. But April... April, very, very busy. Child Mm -hmm. Abuse Prevention Month. We will crisscross the state numerous times. Of course, the big event, April 3rd at the Capitol in Harrisburg, Main Rotunda, 1030 a.m. And then we're also going to follow that up with uh, another event in Pittsburgh. So we're trying to spread the blue throughout the Commonwealth. I like that. Spread the blue. Yeah, we're spreading the blue. Um, yeah, different kind of Penn State blue. How's that? <laughs> different kind. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So we're going to be out in uh, Pittsburgh on April 10th for another award ceremony there, um, bringing key community leaders together, recognizing that it's not acceptable in this state to have 40 children killed because of abuse and neglect. It's not acceptable to have over 4,400 children mm. um, be deemed abused in Pennsylvania. It's not Big okay. Number. It's a large number, large number. And we've got to do better because they deserve that. Well, they have a good team on their side. Thank you. So now you're going to give our, our, our listeners an opportunity to find the website. Yep. Come visit our website. Um, it's pa-fsa.org. And remember, if you can't find what you're looking for there, there's a lot of information Folks should never hesitate to give us a call at 800-448-4906. Angela Little, thank you. Thank you, Paula. Always a pleasure. Once again, thanks to Angela Little for joining us. Angela, the president and CEO of Family Support Alliance. You can find out more about anything Angela talked with us about today by calling 800 448 4906 or log on to their website pa-fsa.org Now don't go away we're going to meet another young lady this one in our community and filling some very big shoes Welcome back, and thanks for joining us on Special Edition. Now we're going to meet Megan Loftus. Megan is the lady that's now at the helm of the Friends of the Poor in Scranton. They have so many programs, we had to get Megan in to find out more about her and what they have to offer the children throughout the area. Megan, first of all, welcome. Nice to meet you. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. And I noticed that uh, you don't have big feet, but you're <laughs> filling big shoes. I am. I uh, Well, my feet are much bigger than Sister Adrian's and Sister Ann Walsh's, but... <laughs> 
Um, so Sister Adrian was our foundress, and Sister Ann Walsh had been the CEO for the last seven to eight years, and they're just so much energy. Um, you know, this was their life's work, their ministry, and they were always go, go, go. So here I am, the first layperson stepping in, and it's a bit of a culture shock, but it's fantastic. You know, it's a, it's a, it's a tough job, but it's very rewarding. Give us a little bit of your background, Megan. Sure. So I'm from Dunmore, um, big family, and I did a little bit of um, volunteer work and studying in both Rwanda and Mexico, in the rainforest in Mexico, and kind of saw the the worst of the worst poverty and in, in the conditions some people were living in and thought, I want to do something about this. And then I came home and I realized that that poverty exists in Scranton too. And you don't think about it, you think about it in third world countries, but there are people here living without water, without electricity, um, barely enough food or, or clothing. So um, I thought, you know, the community that's given me so much and has always supported me, it was my turn to give back to them. So I saw the job post in the paper. I saw Sister Ann climbed up on a table and surrounded by food, and I thought, this is my calling. And I went and interviewed with them, and it was just a perfect match. And Sister Ann and I are, are like best friends. Um, we're together all the time and, and talking all the time and just trying to make a, a difference and trying to make life easier for one person at a time. Well, I guess you had one of the criteria met when you say you have a large family. So that takes care of all of the volunteers that you need for the family-to-family baskets and the and the dinner the night before. Tell us about some of the programs that a lot of people might not realize actually come from Friends of the Poor. Right. So a lot of people know about our food pantries that we operate daily, but we also have a ton of seasonal activities. Um, most well-known after that, I think, are our food giveaways with family to family. We do them three times a year. We're working on a fourth in the summer. Uh, we also have community dinners where um, we bring everybody in and we just have a nice relaxing night with music and hot meals and we send hot meals home. Uh, we do educational field trips for kids. We have summer camps after school programs. Uh, we send kids to theater camp. And um, we also have family field trips just to kind of encourage family bonding where we go to a baseball game or maybe the water park. So really anything that you can think of that can ease the burden of poverty, we're doing it. And um, if we're not doing it, I guarantee you Sister Ann has an idea to start it. So, <laughs> and, and your number on speed dial. Oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> when we're talking about, again, so many of the programs, as you were mentioning them, I mean, I'm aware of Thanksgiving that's the big one. Um, I learned that you also have another another dinner around Christmas time. Yes. So, you know, you we hear about the big ones, but I'm sure that you could also use help with some of the smaller ones, as you mentioned, kids going to camp and things like that. Sure. So um, we do have a Christmas dinner as well as a St. Patrick's Day. And then our food giveaways, we have a Christmas food giveaway, an Easter food giveaway, where we also do Easter baskets for kids at the same time. So that's amazing to see. Um, and we're trying to do a summer one. Most people don't think of the fact that, you know, poverty is even harder in the summer because the weather is nice and we're, we're thinking about vacations. But children aren't in school anymore, so child care costs increase. Um, if you're in Scranton, the kids are getting breakfast and lunch for free. Now that's two more meals per day per kid parents have to cover. So we see a lot of increased need in the summer. We're trying to meet that. Um, and then summer camps, we send the kids up to Keystone College for a STEM camp where they learn all about, um, you know, they play in the creek and they learn about different ecosystems. And they have uh, these connects where they learn how to build bridges and music class and pottery. And it's it's great to get our kids out of the city and to see um, 
what even local colleges offer. And then we also have a summer lunch for kids where we partner with the CEO Weinberg Food Bank. And at seven locations, five days a week, we offer free lunch to kids 18 and under. Um, just to kind of ease that burden of, you know, school was offering lunch and now they're not. So at least we can offer a few meals. That's something I don't think a lot of people realize when you talk about children in Scranton. We don't think of that as city as in New York or L.A. because there are trees around. But that must be a big a bit of a difference for a child who grows up with sidewalks and then goes someplace where you don't have those sidewalks. Absolutely. So it's called Camp Connections, and we do it in partnership with Keystone College and funded by the Weinberg Foundation. And um, we joke that it's the city kids and the country kids because we also have Lackawanna Trail students there. And so they get together and talk about the differences of, you know, when they go outside and play the trail kids in their backyard, they have this huge field. When our kids leave Jackson Terrace or Valley View Terrace, they're still in that development. It's still all roads and sidewalks and there's a few trees, but there's not a big play area. Um, So the kids really love getting able to play in the creek and just the huge rolling fields on the campus. And, um, you know, Scranton, I think, is a great school district, but they don't have a lot of extracurriculars that our kids can partake in. So them having um, pottery classes and having cooking lessons and all of these things that they don't get to do in school is something fun and different, but they're still learning. And again, who would think the difference is probably a 45-minute drive from sidewalks to no sidewalks. Right. It's it's definitely a little bit of a shock for the kids when they first get there, but by the end of it, they love it. They're singing songs on the buses. They're having snack up and down, and they love their bus monitor. It's like their new best friend. So it's really a great program. Um, and mostly what we need volunteers for with that is um, to help the kids get on the bus in the morning, make sure we have everybody there who's supposed to be there. And then the kids who don't go to camp are the ones that we serve lunches to in the developments that day. So we always need volunteers for our summer lunch program as well. Well, let's talk about those volunteers, because like I said, it's always Thanksgiving, Christmas time, that people hear about all of these and and come out and say, we're going to get our group together. But there's Megan the rest (laughs) of the year saying, hello, I could use a little help, family, come on down. So how does somebody get involved? My family jokes that I they're always voluntold when they have to do things when I need more. Um, but my, my family's great. I, I really appreciate them. But year-round, we have something to do. Um, we have satellite pantries, six satellite pantries that are only open maybe two times a month that we need volunteers to help hand out the food and sign people in. Um, we need people to have summer lunches for kids, um, even to help us pick up food from the food bank. We could have so much more fresh produce if we had somebody who could drive our truck to and from the food bank. I mean, it's just from Scranton to Pittston, but to find somebody willing to do that one or two days a week, it's difficult. So anybody who wants to get involved, feel free to call or email us. Um, Our office number for administrative office is 570-340-6086. And they'll get Ann Williams and, you know, she will Put them right on a job. She's great. Um, And they can also check out our website, email us. Um, Like I said, we always have something to do. And if you're looking for a project for the weekend, we could probably organize our warehouse. You know, we just, the the work never ends. And there's always something to do, whether it's directly with the clients or um, kind of background. But there's always something. So if someone, especially when I'm thinking about students who might need to get their, um, 
They have community service projects that have to be done, especially seniors, even the local college students. You'd be somebody that they'd be able to give a phone call to? Absolutely. Yeah, the college students, we typically try to get them involved in the pantry just to see what's going on um, in our city. If a high school age student, if we don't have an actual event going on, like after school hours, we can always do something on the weekend, um, prepping for maybe our next dinner. You know, when we have these huge dinners, they're awesome to see, but you don't think of every one of those supplies is packed in our warehouse and we have to get it out, count it and pack it. So we can always use help. And something tells me that you've already started planning for the next, the next, next, next one. Oh, you know what? The it's. I was very thankful that Easter is later this year because we get a little <laughs> bit of a break in between. But um, it it's still it's so great to see. Last year at Easter, we had over two thousand Easter baskets donated from local businesses and schools, and you know that really means something to our kids. Our our kids when they go into school and say that that their classmates got extra gifts from Santa or got an Easter basket or something that they didn't get. Um, Little kids don't understand that. They don't know why they didn't get it. So just to be able to take that um, burden off the parents and also to make the kids' day a little bit brighter and let them be innocent that much longer, is just it really means a lot to us. Now, as far as the children are concerned, do you get them from the school district, from churches, from how, how would someone with a child who might be hearing this saying, wow, Megan sounds like she's she's got it all together and I want to get into part of that? How would they do that? Um, so in terms of our clients, we're located in the family housing developments in Scranton. So that's where most of the kids that we serve come from. But we're open to anyone and anyone who needs help to come with us. In terms of people who want to volunteer, um, we kind of do all of the different volunteer fairs in the community to try to drum up support. Um, we get a lot of calls from people who are in, you know, confirmation classes or senior projects, like you said. Um, but Scranton Prep and Bishop, uh, well, not Bishop O'Hara, it's Holy Cross now. Um, those That's students you have, came from Dunmore. Yeah. Gave that away. <laughs> <laughs> those students always have service hours to do. Um, and then I, I really dig my alma mater of Dunmore High School and try to drum up some students from there as well. So really anyone who wants to get involved, we always have things going on. We're always posting to our Facebook, letting you know what's coming next. So just check us out on the Internet. And like I said, even if you don't see anything posted, I promise you I can find something. Even for the students that you're um, that the children that you deal with and take to the camp and take to the other. Is there any kind of a charge for them? Nothing. No. Um, we fundraise very hard throughout the year to make sure that um, that nobody's excluded and that everybody is treated equal. There's no payment at all for camp, so it, it doesn't really matter the child's economic background because we don't want to differentiate between them. But um, just from my experience, you know, every single kid who comes to our camp needs it and they can't afford it otherwise, whether they live in the development or somewhere else. So um, it's really just a great program, and it's supposed to kind of stop that summer summer slide where they forget what they learn during the year, and, and they're playing and not realizing they're learning, but they're learning. So um, that was really Sister Adrian's mission, and then Sister Anne kind of took off and started the camp with Keystone, and then I'm just sliding in, making sure it all keeps working, and, and trying to start some more after-school programs in the meantime, because we realize that the students really need some homework help and some guidance after school, and if they can see, we have so many local colleges and universities, and if they can see what we have in this area, what they offer, and that it's a possibility for them, that's that's one more kid that we kind of shove in the right direction. Well, um, a gentle a gentle shove is, uh, in this day and age, probably a very good thing. 
Well, I can see why you're in this position. First of all, you had the family. Second of all, you have the personality. Oh, thank you. You have the, the, the personality. You make people feel comfortable. Your predecessors said at some point in time, Megan Loftus, you're going to be filling our shoes and not have any problem. Thank you. I, I joke that coming from a large Irish family, I'm also the youngest in my family and the only girl. So you have to talk quick, fast, and loud to get heard. And that's what I'm used to doing. Wow. <laughs> well, yeah, I, I could see that on your resume, too. Quick, fast, loud, only chi- or youngest child of all, how many boys? Three. Um, and then at, now I have four step-siblings as well. So now we're a big old family of eight. <laughs> Well, if it, somebody wants to get in touch with you, with the folks at Friends of the Poor, either to make a donation of money or time, how would they go about doing that? Sure. So I would easiest way is to check out our website. It's FOTP-IHM. So first letters of Friends of the Poor-IHM for our Immaculate Heart of Mary connection.org. And on that is all of our contact information, a donate button, uh, what's coming up. And you can see um, our phone number and our email at the bottom. If you have more questions, feel free. My phone is glued to me, so I'm sure I'll answer you within 24 hours. When Sister Ann doesn't have you on speed dial. That's true. <laughs> and yeah. Is talking, and is coming up with some new projects. Absolutely. And I do try to sleep eight hours a night. So <laughs> just just that time frame. Thanks again to Megan Loftus, Friends of the Poor, for joining us today and bringing us all the information on their organization. Now, don't go away. There's more special edition to come. Welcome back to Special Edition. It's that time of the year. Colds, flu, and right around the corner allergies. Dawn Webster is a physician's assistant and assistant director of MedExpress in Pittsburgh, and she's here to tell us, how do you know? Is it a cold or is it an allergy? One of the ways to know is essentially if you're running a fever. If you're running a fever, it is not an allergy. It's most likely a cold. So when we're talking about a fever, I guess we're, you know, but we still have the sneezing. We still have the, so what happens if we're just doing that and we're not running a fever? Now we're back to square one again. Yes, yes. So if you're ever not sure, you can always get seen by a medical provider. We can evaluate you um, and do our best to kind of figure it out. Um but really, the biggest difference is, um, besides that fever, is going to be the duration. So if you are suffering from allergy symptoms, they are going to last weeks to months um, because you're being exposed to that allergen. Um, however, cold symptoms typically only last, you know, a few days to two weeks at the longest. So what happens if it's something like an allergy to dust mites or, you know, something where you can't see it? Because a lot of times when we think of opening the windows, we've got pollen, it's flying through the air. So how do you know what you're allergic to when sometimes these things like dust mites can happen all year long? Yes. So... I mean, really, the only way to know for sure is to get allergy tested. Um, If you're not able to do that or you haven't done that, you can look at when you have your symptoms. So if you get your symptoms really in the spring, 
when you do start opening your windows and start going outside and the weather gets nicer, then it probably is um, an airborne allergen like pollen that comes from outside that's carried by the wind. Um, Other examples would be, you know, tree allergies or grasses or um, weeds. Um, People that are allergic to those things typically don't have the severe allergy symptoms in the winter, whereas people that are allergic to the indoor allergies like molds and dust mites, Um, or animal dander, those are the ones that we really see have the majority of their symptoms in the winter when you are indoors with the windows closed and the doors closed. What happens when you've mentioned this now a few times, getting an allergy test? Sounds very daunting, could sound a little bit scary. Yes. So the most accurate allergy tests are... um, skin test. So essentially what they do is they use um, a very concentrated form of that allergen in a liquid and they will use your skin and they will put a drop of that liquid on your skin and then use a teeny tiny needle and, and prick your skin. They will wait a certain amount of time and if your skin has a reaction, you are allergic to it. That is the most accurate way to do allergy testing. And if you can imagine, that would be very difficult to do in a child or a toddler or someone who's not able to sit or lie still for a long period of time. So they have developed some other allergy testing, um, you know, blood tests and whatnot. But um, the, the current school of thought is that those aren't quite as accurate as that, you know, old-fashioned tried-and-true skin testing. When you do something like that, then, Dawn, as far as, you know, you you mentioned that it's on the skin, um, I guess, how do you do that with something like um, pollen? Sure. So they have liquids of everything. I mean, they, they, I don't know how they do it, but they somehow get, you know, pollen particles and mix it in a liquid and, and they have this concentrated form. So it's they have um, essentially the the liquids to test you to everything, even the airborne ones like dust mites and animal dander. That just sounds like it would be, as you mentioned, you know, toddlers, but even for grownups as well. Because when you do something like that, does it immediately happen? Or do you have to wait a little while? Or do you have to do do it again? Yeah, because if you have a severe allergy, it's going to react right away. and You're going to get what they call a like a wheel in your skin, which is a red raised area. But if you only have a little bit of a reaction, it's going to take longer to mount that immune response. So they may have you lay there for, you know, 30 minutes, an hour. I'm, I'm honestly not sure how long, you know, that they will give it total, but it definitely can take some time. When would someone be a candidate for that? Because I would think that as people, you know, the seasons change and, well, now in the spring I have this, but then in the winter I don't have that. So how would you know whether you would be someone who would be a candidate, especially in your area where you're not seeing someone necessarily, you know, regularly throughout the year, but they come in with these symptoms is that something that you would suggest to go to? And, and who would you go to? Sure. So um, to answer who would you go to, you would go to an, um, an allergy specialist, um, an allergist. And 
essentially what we, we do at MedExpress or at an urgent care or even a family doctor is we'll try antihistamines. So there's multiple antihistamines, but the good news is most of them treat you um, no matter what the allergen is. So you can take a Claritin or a Zyrtec or an Allegra, and it's going to help with both indoor and outdoor allergies. So it doesn't matter essentially what's causing it, it's going to help. Now, if you're taking these and they're not helping or they helped for a while and they're just not helping anymore, then that that is when you may be a good candidate to actually go get tested and see exactly what it is um, that you are allergic to. But a lot of times we don't just jump right to the testing. We'll try some antihistamines first. Dawn, anything that we've left out as far as these nasty allergies are concerned? Because, boy, they can really plague you any time of the year. Yes. No, they really can. Um, Really, the only other thing I'd like to mention maybe is to help um, prevent them um, because, you know, people don't want to have to deal with them if they don't have to. So, again, if you kind of know which ones seem to be worse for you, Um, like if they seem to be worse for you in the winter months when you are stuck inside, then you probably are allergic to, you know, the molds or the dust mites um, or the animal danders. So you can work on reducing those in your house. So for the dust mites, you know, you can get um, mattress covers and pillow covers to help reduce those numbers that you're coming in contact with. Or if you do have um, some animals in the house and you're thinking it may be their dander, they have special washes and wipes you can actually, you know, clean your animals with to reduce the the dander on them. Um, And if it's the outside ones, if you notice in the spring or as soon as you start going outside and opening your windows that, you know, those are when you have your symptoms, then you can do things like, um, you know, install um, air conditioned filters to help filter that air um, that comes into your house. You can um, use the over-the-counter antihistamines, and you can also do things like um, saline nasal sprays to kind of help clear them out of your nasal passages, especially if you're going to be outside all day when you come in, kind of do that and rinse everything out of there. All right. Well, we'll hopefully keep those allergies away and keep in mind that we don't want to get a fever because then that means something else. And we'll have you back again. And February is heart month. So how about we uh, schedule a time when we can talk about keeping heart healthy? Yes, that sounds wonderful. Thanks again to Physician's Assistant and Assistant Medical Director of MedExpress in Pittsburgh, Dawn Webster, for joining us. And Dawn reminds us that it is the month of February, and that is Healthy Heart Month. Now we're going to find out about a camp that's coming your way this summer. It's Camp Cadet. Trooper First Class David Peters will tell us about that. And then Trooper Anthony Petrosky from the Pennsylvania State Police, both from Troop Inn in the Hazleton area, will tell us about Sunny Day Camp. We love to hear about this every year. Camp Cadet. Well, Camp Cadet is our uh, Pennsylvania State Police Youth Program um, involving youths 12 to 14 from the counties of Monroe, Columbia, Carbon, and Lower Luzerne Counties. It's a week-long camp that allows the kids to interact with law enforcement, see what actual law enforcement training is like in that type of setting. Um, Challenging for them in a a lot of respects, but uh, a lot of resources they get to see with the state police and other uh, local agencies. Now, how long, Trooper Peters, have you been involved in this? Uh 
This will be my 20th year in the Troop and Camp Cadet program. All right. Trooper Petrosky, how long have you been involved? I've been involved for 10 years with Camp Cadet. So between the two of you, you have a little bit of time under your belts with this. A little bit. What have you seen that has changed? I know Trooper Petrosky, you know, you, uh, yeah, you, you just mentioned the, you know, the, the things that they, but now you're up against cell phones and is the turnout less, more, the interest waning? Uh, no, I think on an average, we, we go about 225 applications every year. Um, so we're very, you know, we're very successful in that when it comes to our Camp Cadet program. Uh, the cell phones, are, yeah, that's a big key for kids. I mean, you have to start adding smartwatches now. I mean, that was a big thing we went through on the packing list, like trying to find all the technology that could be worn. I'm sure there'll be smart earrings sooner or later we want to know about. <laughs> when, when we're talking about something like this, Trooper Petrosky, why don't you come on in here? Yeah. And it, again, you know, you have the, the interest obviously isn't waning, but is what they're interested in changing? You know, I don't think so. There's so many kids out there, even at the ages of 12 to 14, they know what they want to do. They know they want to go in law enforcement or military, and they know this is the camp that's going to push them and give them an introduction to those type of fields. Because I would think that in the past, everybody thought, well, you know, we're out there, we're stopping vehicles, we're searching for the bad guys. But now there's so much more, and and the reason I'm kind of interested in all this is because you also as officers have to adapt to the way that things change and over all of these years you've seen your reports now on social media you're getting uh, more tips via text messages so how do you explain that to young people well you know just like they adapt to their environment so do we so we have to adapt with the changes also Otherwise, we're going to be left in the dark. So we have to adapt to that also. So we're learning from them, and they're learning from us. And it's it's not then like Trooper Peters that you're ignoring those who come in and say, well, I'm kind of interested in getting into computers and forensic computer stuff because that's become very big now with things like Megan's Law and the other things that you're involved with? Well, a lot of the presentations I see during the week, I mean, it doesn't cover everything in law enforcement, but they get to see, you know, it, it, say our accident reconstruction individual might be there. Um, they get to see how math that they're doing in school applies to someone's job. They get to see what forensics is really like and not what you see on uh, CSI and things like that. And, and yeah, we have adapt, like Trooper Petrosky said, but one constant stays the same, and that's the challenge. And I think that's something kids or probably have some difficulty in the beginning. You know, who who signs up to wake up at 6 o'clock on your own, stand at attention, run a mile and a half, and then, you know, have to stand to or, you know, dress people as sir and ma'am, keep their rooms clean. I mean, it's it's a challenge, but we, we believe that it's a challenge that will carry with them in life that they, when they're, you know, they have that confidence to make stronger decisions as they get older. Since you both, again, have had the opportunity to be involved in this now over the years, have you run into, have you followed the careers of some of the campers that you've dealt with in the past? Have you found out that 
hey, they have now applied to state police. You're both shaking your heads. Could somebody give me an example? And it's great because actually two campers that went through not that long ago are going to be going into the Pennsylvania State State Police Academy, I believe, next month. Oh, So that's very exciting. It's nice to see them. They wanted to, to be a trooper when they were that age. They followed through, and now they're going through the academy. So it's really, it's really neat to see. Trooper Peters? We have actually two individuals at our Hazleton station. Uh, one of them, a corporal with the state police that gone through Camp Cadet, and uh, a young man who just came on the job that we had to go back in time to kind of remember him because he went through Camp Cadet, and they grow. Uh, so yeah. you see them here and then they grow and they get facial hair and you, you don't recognize them anymore. So, but yeah, it, the program has yielded individuals who have gone into law enforcement or pursued other careers. That's great. And, and they do keep in touch with you. That's even better. Yeah. That's the hardest thing. You know, a lot of people come up to us at the fair and like, I went through camp cadet like in 2007 and I'm like, <laughs> Lucky I remember what 2017 was like. And then now, now they're six feet tall. I don't... <laughs> and it's a good thing you didn't go through today because now you can't even look me in the eye. Yeah. <laughs> so we're talking about Camp Cadet, and, and there are different ones that happen. Now, where and when does yours happen? Ours uh, goes July 14th through the 19th. It's held at the uh, Penn State Hazleton campus. Um, so it's a week long. They can get applications now at any state police barracks. Uh, as well as the local schools in the four counties that I mentioned earlier. Um, they can also go to uh, Cadet. We just launched a fa- uh, uh, web page this year that will provide them information on camp, uh, necessary forms, a- as well as a registration form. And speaking of that, do they also have any kind of monetary that they have to come up with? Is there a, a cost? You know, we ask for a $20 registration fee, um, but that's it. Again, this is a week long. They get all uniforms for the week. Food and lodging is included, so we think that's more than fair. Yeah, that's great. And and they're at they stay at Penn State. Yes, they Hazleton? stay there. Um, all the counselors are troopers and municipal officers, so they're in good hands. Wow. Now, if a parent is listening and say, "I just heard this on the on the radio, and I would like to find out a little bit more because I'm a little leery," and and the other thing I'm going to say to both of you is, it's not just boys. No. No? Have Not you have it, have you had an influx of, of females? Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we have quite a few females that register. Uh, based upon the way the setup is the dorm, we, we're only permitted to take thirty two females. So we do uh, that side is always filled. Um, you know, unfortunately, the, the male side is uh, twice that size, but on the female side it's not. So we, we really do a good job maybe even getting people in the last minute. Uh, that have registered to make sure that the girl side is well represented and, and filled on that side. But you do have a lot of females that law enforcement, uh, military careers. We've had a, a few of our individuals have gone on to be Marines um, and, or explored other options. So getting back to the parents, then, if they have questions, <laughs> why do I think Trooper Peters has, has, an, has, a, has a real good story he can't well, share he, with he's us? He's had a lot of questions over the past 20 years involving this program. But you know what? It's very simple. They could go to our website. That's the, the, the biggest resource we have to put information out there about our camp. It's troopandcampcadet.com. There's a video about camp. There's information and our contact information. If they had any questions, they could always give us a call. And when do the applications have to be in? March 31st is the deadline. (laughs) There's two camps going on. So Sunny Day is Saturday, May 11th, and that's our one-day camp cadet experience for individuals with special needs or disabilities. 
It's completely free. It's a lot of fun. And it's that Camp Cadet experience for those individuals who unfortunately wouldn't be able to meet the rigorous needs of Camp Cadet. Now, you say individuals. Is there an age? We take individuals ages 8 and up. We have no cutoff age. Two years ago, the first year that we did it, we had two individuals in their 70s who attended. Awesome. They move around. They see um, all different displays, law enforcement, military displays, interactive displays. We have a selfie station. We have a face painter. It's a lot of fun, and they could go about it as they please. And where is that? That's held at the Pocono Racetrack. So it's not like you have to stay overnight? You no, just... it's from 10 a.m. till 3 o'clock in the afternoon, and if for some reason they had to leave, they could leave whenever they need to. Okay, and what about the uh, information as far as registration and all that stuff? Everything is on our Camp Cadet website. Oh. Uh, There's a tab for Sunny Day Camp. You can click on that. It'll give you information on it, and it'll give you the registration page. And when do you have to have that in by? We're taking applicants until April 6th. Oh, okay. So yes. we've so we've got all the dates. Plenty of time. We've got all the websites. Yes. Anything else that we've left out? Any questions about either camp, feel free to give us a call. Thanks again to Pennsylvania State Police Troopers First Class David Peters, as well as Trooper Anthony Petrosky, both from Troop Inn in the Hazleton area, with information about Camp Cadet and Sunny Day Camp. And thank you for joining us on special edition thanks for listening to special edition a weekly look at the issues in the news and the personalities shaping the stories a production of intercom communications tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone news in order to secure convictions in a court of law it is essential that we conclusively sports clock at four donchich the step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening.